Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, Rich Valdez. columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 miles away from Madison Square Garden. And I hope you had a great Independence Day. Of course, no good deed goes unpunished. And some shooter started shooting up a parade. We're going to get to the news and we're going to get to some analysis because, you know, earlier today it was revealed that the uh, Highland Park shooting suspect wore women's clothing during the attack. And we have some comments from the let me see. I don't want to ruin his name here. He is the bear with me, folks. Here we go. Christopher Covelli is the deputy chief and public information officer. Listen to this. But we do believe Cremo pre-planned this attack for several weeks. Uh, He brought a high-powered rifle to this parade. He accessed the roof of a business via a fire escape ladder and began opening fire on the innocent Independence Day celebration goers. The rifle was purchased in Illinois, and the information we have thus far is that it appears to have been purchased legally by Cremo. Uh, During the attack, Cremo was dressed in woman's clothing, and investigators do believe he did this to conceal his facial tattoos and his identity and help him during the escape uh, with the other people who were fleeing the chaos. During the attack, we believe that Cremo fired more than 70 rounds from this rifle into the crowd of innocent people. Now, it's my understanding there were there were multiple injuries, lots of people. I think 70 people were hospitalized and seven people lost their lives, were murdered by Mr. Cremo. This was obviously for many people just, you know, it's the unthinkable for others. It's expected because they're cynical or whatever or prepared. Who knows how to put it? All I can say was I heard it and it it was shocking and I was dismayed. I don't like this type of news. Obviously, nobody does. But I wanted to get a better sense of it. With us, we have somebody who I would say is an expert in that part of the world. It's the mayor of Orland Park, Illinois, Keith Pico. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Rich. Thank you, Mayor. So. Obviously, you know what's going on a lot better than I do. I know you guys are a suburb of Chicago, somewhat outside of the area. I guess give us the lay of the land before we dig into the story. The suburb of Orland Park, where I'm the mayor, we're about 25 miles southwest of Chicago, and Highland Park's about 25 miles north of Chicago, and they're in Lake County. We're in Cook and a little piece in, in Will County. So we're probably separated. But, you know, a drive is probably a good hour, 10, hour, and 15 minutes to, to get there, but we're separated by about 50 miles. Tell us, what was your initial reaction to this? It's horrific. I mean, I think everybody's reaction to that is this is it's horrifying to see an event like this. Uh, it's uh, it's it's heartbreaking to see another town and a community. I mean, we all live in towns and communities to see people having to deal with this, you know, victims, uh, family, friends, 
it's it's absolutely horrible to see something like this. And and uh, you know the issue being that you know someone has gotten that um, de- depraved or deranged or, or mental health related issues that they feel like this is what they have to do to innocent people. Um, it's something that's very hard for any of us to wrap our minds around. It's, uh, you know, these incidents, uh, they, they happen happening once is too frequent. Um, they, they don't happen every day, but, but it's happening. You know, there's too many people that are resorting to this kind of, uh, these kind of acts and we have to figure out why. Yeah. And just to give you, I mean, a sense of how this worked out for me, there's a small town parade where I live. You know, there's hundreds of people that gather around town for this stuff. I live in a small place in Jersey now. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm not the mayor. I wasn't, you know, intimately involved in the planning or whatnot or the security thereof. But I was just there. And, you know, I see this thing on my phone. I get this alert and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that. First thing I think of is what happens if that happens here, you know, with my kids outside and whatnot. So what were you doing when when you got this news? I was actually at a, uh, a July 4th golf event, uh, and I got the event. I got the information when I finished uh, with the event and got off of the courses when I heard about it. Uh, and I spoke to our police chief. I spoke to our uh, in, our assistant village manager because our village manager was actually in, on his way back on a plane uh, from vacation, uh, and uh, just get, get, got the information about what was happening. We we were getting it. My police chief was getting it a little bit faster than it was coming through the news cycle, so I, you know, I knew when the suspect was apprehended and and, and the like. And we actually had our event last night uh, where we had a concert and fireworks later that evening. And the decision was always we're going to go ahead with it. And we talked about if we we're going to change any of the things that we were doing. And we we simply we brought in a couple of people a little early for their shifts to augment what we already had. Um, but we we feel like we conduct our events fairly safely and very safely. We, we obviously put a big emphasis on that and uh, we continue to do that. And we held our event and people, we had the biggest crowd I've seen since I've been mayor. That's good. And I'm glad it went safely. And, and again, similar here, you know, I think we have a town wide, um, fireworks ceremony. And, and the only difference I saw was there was a increased police presence and uh, there, you know, they had put up these like roadblock signs saying, you know, all bags are going to be subject to search and whatnot, which I'd never, ever in my life seen in the type of um, small suburb that I live in here. But, but it was interesting. That's why I asked, you know, where you, where you were and what happened and how you handled it. Because I think across America, people were seeing this stuff and thinking, you know, what do we do now? What's going on next? You know, how are we going to distinguish the fireworks from something that could potentially be violence? Not the least of which there was a ton of violence over the weekend. Anyway, a lot of it coming out of Chicago. So let's talk about that. How do you, uh, I guess, protect yourself from some of the spillover from Chicago or even in a situation like this where you have someone that has raised several red flags based on comments they've made or previous interactions with the police uh, and, and yet that wasn't enough to stop it. And I think this is flying in the face of conventional wisdom where people are saying we need more laws and that's what's going to stop this. Well, so I think there, there's two distinct issues here. One is the mental health related issues that would drive someone to do this. And then there's the, the ongoing violence in Chicago, which is a, a criminal violence issue. So in in both cases, though, something that really is helpful, something we've pushed for since I've been mayor, is we have a campaign where we say, if you see something, say something. We take everything that we get into our police department and we investigate it. 
every single thing. And of course, most of them amount to nothing. But if your instincts tell you something's off, there's a likelihood maybe something's off. And some of those tips have led to people who have been off of their medications and were spiraling out of control. And we were able to get to them before they, they really hurt somebody, right? Because somebody actually said something. And, and in some cases, they didn't say anything. They didn't say anything for a couple of days. And then they informed the mayor. I'm like, have you told the police? Well, no. And then our police investigate. And we could have even, and fortunately, nothing happened. But this person had gotten more out of control because they hadn't taken their medications, right? So if you see something, say something that's out of place so that we can, so it can be investigated, that is probably in a free society where you know, we can't have a police officer every square inch. We can't be everywhere. They can't, they, even in a small town, it may take them five minutes to get somewhere. Anything that you see and you let them know about is going to help head things off the past. And that's whether it's a mental health related issue or a criminal violence problem. On the criminal violence side, we need to keep violent criminals locked up. That's what's happening in Chicago. We have a catch and release program operated by Kim Fox that goes into effect statewide on January 1st that has allowed criminals to basically walk free. And people with, with criminals with weapons illegally a 1,700% increase in ankle monitoring, and you wonder why we're seeing more violent criminals. Well, that's what we see in Orland Park. We've been able to still manage to keep crime down in Orland Park. It's the lowest it's been in 27 years, but our officers are very stretched to do it. We work very hard. And we're very proactive. All right, folks, we're on with Mayor Keith Pico. He's the mayor of Orland Park, Illinois, uh, not very far from Highland Park, Illinois, where this shooting happened. And uh, we're going to continue with him and ask him a couple more questions. Uh, mayor, stick with us. We're going to have uh, we may have some callers that have questions for you. And we have a call from Iowa. Let's go to Ed in Iowa. Welcome. Mr. Valdez, how are you tonight? Wonderful, Ed. Uh, thank I, you. My point I wanted to mention or bring up, it sounds a bit extreme, um, but it's and I hate to say it, but I propose bringing back public hangings. As silly as it sounds, is the extreme something to deter these people that think they're going to be immortalized or celebrated for something so horrible? Right. So basically, you're saying we should have the death penalty? Uh, in essence, yes. Something right. much more to the you know, if it's so blatant and obvious, where this man had no other point in his day than to ruin how many other people, others, you know, let let's bring him back where we hang him. It's a public Understood. Thing. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate it. So, Mayor, uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to bring back public hangings, and I don't know if Illinois has the death penalty, but does Illinois have the death penalty? And feel free to weigh in. Illinois does not have the death penalty, but I think to prevent these, certainly we need punishments, and I think that goes back to the violent criminals. Mm -hmm. We need to punish those. But someone who does something like this, who hasn't done anything like this in their past, there is something I think we'd all agree there. There is a mental health related issue in there somewhere because a rational person doesn't do doesn't make take this action. So we need policies to help identify these people need to speak up. And then we need we need to have programs and policies to, to try and address these issues. So here in Illinois, there's not, over 90 percent less mental health beds than there used to be. Well, who can guess it would, that there's a problem because it's not funded well. Here in Orland Park, we actually have a program uh, that is federally funded. It's a grant, for, and, and it allows us to have mental health professionals on call, and we can bring them into situations where our officers need it because our officers are off, off, often dealing with mental health-related issues. If the call is nonviolent, we we're, we're able to bring these people in, and then they can take over the call, which does a couple things. One, it gets our officers back on the street. And if they have to involuntarily commit somebody, it takes them off the street for five hours. Well, this way they're on the street. Second, 
it's reduced our involuntary committals by 35%. So people are getting the mental health-related help they need without ending up in the criminal justice system, and we're getting to them much earlier. So I think programs like that have been successful. They've been successful here. There's no reason they couldn't be mimicked elsewhere. And we have to look at all of these uh, these shootings that, you know, there are there, there have been warning signs. And every single one of these, I think there's been warning signs, and people haven't heeded those signs because they don't know what to look for or because they're afraid to say something. And we can't be afraid to say something and talk about it and get these get people help before they go down this path. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. And I'm not going to play the audio, but I had a clip of uh, Governor Pritzker saying that this is a uniquely American problem. And I, I tend to disagree with that. I don't think mental health uh, issues are uniquely American. Uh, I think maybe the Second Amendment might be uniquely American, but I don't think the Second Amendment is the problem, being that that's been around for 200 and some odd years, and we haven't had the issues that we're facing for that amount of time. But with that being said, you're the mayor in Orland Park and you've launched a campaign for Congress. Tell us about that and how do you respond to critics like J.B. Pritzker who say that this is a uniquely American problem? Well, I, I believe last week, it wasn't it in, in uh, Denmark that there was a shooting, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, another mass shooting. So it's not uniquely American. I think, uh, you know, th- this happens elsewhere as well. We we are a country that's, that's you know, quite large, obviously, and we have a, a population that's very free, uh, more free than most countries. So, uh, uh, unfortunately, we we do uh, accept some risk for those freedoms. When you look at someone like uh, J.B. Pritzker, they literally this year we passed a law in Illinois that he signed that goes into effect January 1st. You've seen everything that's happened in Chicago with the no cash bail. Well, it is actually the Chicago no-cash bail model on steroids that is going to be statewide on January 1st, where unless it's a murder-related charge or they have murder in their past, they are allowed to walk free with no bail, no matter what they did. Trespassing, they're allowed to go on people's properties, businesses' properties, and police cannot remove them. All they can do is ticket them. Think about the chaos that's going to ensue when you have that kind of a policy. Well, we put that in place. And additionally, that bill, it constrained our police officers. It it put them at risk for, for doing their jobs. This was mm-hmm. this entire bill was about enabling criminals and restricting free citizens and, and, and law-abiding citizens and police. And that's what he signed in, in, into, into law. And to, for him to talk about how he cares about police and how he cares about citizenry, his actions have not... Uh, has not been that way for the last four years of his yeah, the, tenure. The actions don't match up with the rhetoric. Folks, we're on with Mayor Keith Peacock. He's an Air Force veteran, a businessman. He's currently the mayor in Orland Park, and he's running for Congress. You can check him out at keithpeacock.com, keithpeacock.com. That's Peacock, P-E-K-A-U. Keith Peacock, thank you, sir, for joining us. I appreciate it. Could you let everybody know where they could follow you on social media? So they could follow me at Peacock Number Four Congress uh, on uh, on Facebook, and so. they can also find me at, at the website. You can link to all the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all of that. Wonderful, sir. I appreciate it. We got to have you back for an update on the campaign. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Rich. I appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, folks. Now. So we've heard from the mayor. We got the uh, public policy perspective, and uh, and we could have done that for a, a, another hour and a half or so. There's a lot to talk about. But I want to get the, the Second Amendment perspective. So Alan Gottlieb, he's the founder of the Second Amendment Foundation. He's joining us next. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America.
Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And the conversation continues. We're talking about this horrific shooting that happened in Highland Park, Illinois, and the implications that it's having on these dramatic calls for gun control. And uh, our guest this half hour right now is going to be the founder of the Second Amendment Foundation, Alan Gottlieb. He's also the author and co-author of numerous books, including Dancing in Blood, Exposing the Gun Lobby to Destroy Your Rights. I wanted to get his perspective on this because this is a really important issue. And we've got a lot of politicians that are out there saying a lot of crazy things. Alan Gottlieb, welcome to the program. It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. My pleasure. Now, I want to start off with a clip of audio from the, the excuse me, the governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker. Listen to this. There are going to be people who say that today is not the day, that now is not the time to talk about guns. I'm telling you, there is no better day and no better time than right here and right now. It's the 4th of July. A day for reflection on our freedoms. Our founders carried muskets, not assault weapons. And I don't think a single one of them would have said that you have a constitutional right to an assault weapon with a high-capacity magazine. Or that that is more important than the right of the people who attended this parade today to live. Now, how's that for a healthy dose of hyperbole in my view? Uh, Alan Gottlieb, how do you respond to this um, this a allegation that, that they throw around this term they use of assault weapon and overall what he said in general? Let me start with overall what he said in general. You know, you talked about the founding fathers having muskets. Well, they also didn't have high speed internet. They didn't have high speed printing presses. They didn't have satellite radio. But all those are protected by the First Amendment, just like modern mm-hmm. firearms are protected by the Second Amendment. 
And so, again, you know, they wouldn't put the same standard to use for the rest of the Bill of Rights. But when they discriminate against guns, it's okay. Mm -hmm. So do you agree with this terminology that he uses? And many are using this term assault weapon or assault rifle. Uh, Because as far as I understand it, again, you're the founder of the Second Amendment Foundation, not me. But from my understanding is an AK-47, an M1, M4, all of these automatic weapons, these are typically known as assault weapons. And there is a ban on those, right? I I can't go buy one uh, unless I'm some sort of federal firearms dealer. Am I right on this? Well, you have to be a certain kind of federal firearms dealer. Not all firearms dealers have a class three license to deal with those. Those firearms are fully automatic, as you mentioned, the word automatic. The ones they're talking about in in these cases are semi-automatic firearms that may look similar, but they only fire one round for each pull of the trigger. You can't pull the trigger and every bullet in the magazine, you know, blasts off, so to speak. Uh, So they're using a terminology that's not really accurate. But unfortunately, the media has run with it for so many years now that most people, you know, view these firearms as assault, quote-unquote assault weapons. But, you know, it's more hyperbole. They really are just like any other semi-automatic rifle or pistol. They only fire one round per pull of the trigger. So it may not have a a beautiful wood stock to it, and, you know, it, it, it may not look so pretty, but they're still going to discriminate against it and pretend it's a fully automatic weapon to confuse the public. And they've gotten away with it for a number of years now, so it's pretty hard to change the narrative. But again, you know, it's just like any other semi-automatic firearm. The problem isn't the gun. It doesn't have a brain to hate with or a finger to pull its own trigger. Uh, And the problem we have here is people who have no respect for life at all, in most cases not even for their own life. Um, And and we have a lot of issues in our country dealing with people like this. You know, in this case, the murderer... Uh, was investigated by the police twice, once for you know threatening to commit suicide and once for threatening to kill all his family. Uh, they confiscated 16 knives and you know and uh, and, and some other uh, other weapons. Uh, somehow none of this all got reported to the police, so that when he went to buy a, his firearms, he passed the background check that everybody talked about. How we need to have background checks. This mm-hmm. is another case where a background check failed. Yeah, this to me is failure on multiple levels. And I look at this and I think if I want everybody who wants a gun and is allowed to have a gun to be able to have a gun and have as many as you like, because I think an armed society is a polite society. These are people that I would I want to call serious, responsible people, somebody that has had, you know, these interactions with law enforcement, somebody who's on the record. And again, it's their right with free speech and artistic expression and whatnot to say these things. But if those things are on the record, we, we should probably take people at their word. If they say they're going to kill their family, maybe we should listen to them and say, hey, look, you know, let's take a look at this. And you're right. They do these background checks and he still gets the gun. Here's something interesting that I wanted to talk about. I still don't know the type of rifle that it was. Do you? No, I don't. Uh, first, I heard high-powered rifle. And, and quite frankly, most so-called assault weapons are not high power. And the second thing is, as I heard now, I've heard it, it, it's a, a similar type similar to, quote-unquote, an assault rifle, but they didn't really say it was an assault rifle. But he also had another rifle and and other handguns. He bought five guns at different times and went through background checks. Also, in Illinois, you have to have what's called the Farm Owner's ID card, a FOID, uh, that you have to get ahead of time. So he went through a background check for that as well. Uh, So, again, you know, it isn't the the gun per se. It's the person who pulls the trigger. This person never should have been able to buy a gun to begin with. I think we'd all agree on that. Uh, 
But again, you know, the government promises that if you give up your freedom, they'll give you security. In this case, we have ne- we have neither. When you call for gun bans on one hand, and you let people like this, you know, obtain firearms uh, at the same time. Yeah, and the reason I ask is not because I want it to be one type of gun versus another, but I just feel like there would be a a, a feeding frenzy amongst critics in the media if this were in fact an AR-15, because this has been their the gun of uh, that they've targeted, their gun of choice, if you will, to uh, to hate upon, and it, it clearly they they're not saying that it was or it wasn't. So I'm I'm just curious to know, did he actually have a gun uh, that? you know, was not like some sort of smaller hunting rifle or, you know, a pump action. (laughs) I'm just really curious to know what what it was and what he was doing, uh, because if they knew it was an AR-15, I think they would have seized upon that. And that was really the genesis of my question. Okay. Well, I think you're probably Mm -hmm. right about that, but we just really don't know for sure yet because they haven't released it. Right. And and we shall know more. All right, folks, I see that you guys are uh, dialing in to, to speak with Alan Gottlieb. He's the founder of the Second Amendment Foundation. Uh, we're going to get to your calls and more on what's going on, more of what's coming out of Washington, the rhetoric that's coming from the vice president and the president on gun control and much more uh, as soon as we continue. And I see that Craig in West Virginia has a question or a comment. Craig, welcome. Welcome, Rich. You're on with me and Alan Gottlieb, the founder of the Second Amendment Foundation. All right, Alan. Uh, by the way, they did show the video. It, it is not an AR-15. It is more like a BAR-style weapon on a tripod. He left the weapon behind. But ah. just to show that I'm not, uh, uh, you know, anti-gun, I, I probably started hunting, being from West Virginia, started hunting around 10 years old, military, uh, licensed in three states through the 90s and early two, uh, 2000s for hunting. But let me ask you this. They always say that it isn't a gun, isn't a gun. If, it, if they don't have a gun, they're going to use a baseball bat, things like that you always hear from Republicans. Do you think that if he was throwing baseball bats up, off of that rooftop or, say, maybe like blueberry muffins, that there'd be seven dead and 50 wounded? Well, I personally think if he wanted to cause death, no, muffins probably weren't going to do it. He would do like the guy in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and take an SUV or a car and drive into a crowd of people. And I think ultimately people that want to kill people are going to figure out a way. It may be easier with guns, but I don't know that that's necessarily uh, saying, oh, making a gun illegal doesn't make the gun not exist. And for that, all we have to do is look at all the violence we see coming out of different neighborhoods in many different places. New York over the weekend had 50 shootings. I would bet one of my limbs that not a single one of those was legally obtained. Not just because this guy's guns were legally obtained. My point is the majority of crime that we see committed with guns is not coming from people that are law-abiding citizens. So that's my thought on that. But let's um, give Alan an opportunity to weigh in. Well, I guess I couldn't have answered your caller any better than you did. Uh, but he also could have used, used other other weapons, you know, like Molotov cocktails or something else thrown from the roof and killed as many or more people. You know, explosive devices that he could have made. Uh, you know, we had, you know, the marathon bomber in Boston use a pressure cooker. So, again, mm-hmm. it, you know, the problem is what was this person doing out on the street to begin with to be able to do such a dastardly act. Yeah, 100% I agree with that, and I I do appreciate your thoughts, Craig. Now, I want you to hear some thoughts from Vice President Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, uh, in my opinion, I'm going to say she was frantic. And and again, I'm I'm not going to fault her for being frantic. I think a lot of people are frantic when you hear that, you know, seven people were killed in this horrible fashion. Uh, It's definitely a a cause for alarm. However, I think the, the reaction always goes to blaming the gun and never blaming the behavior or the individual that's doing it. Listen to this. 
An assault weapon is designed to kill a lot of human beings quickly. There is no reason that we have weapons of war on the streets of America. We need reasonable gun safety laws. Now, listen, again, and, and, you know, the floor is going to be yours, Alan. But whenever I hear this, I got to tell you, my gut reaction is if a bad guy is coming at me and wants to come to my house to harm me in one way or another, uh, I, I'm hoping that I have more firepower than he does. Right. My hope is not that, listen, I've got a, you know, a 380 or a nine millimeter pistol here. And uh, this guy's coming through the door, you know, with with an AR-15. Uh, I, I want to be able to have that much or more. That's just my thinking. Now, I don't consider the AR-15 a weapon of war. I kind of liken it to when I go to the auto parts store, one of those big chain retail auto parts stores, and there's flashlights. And there's some flashlights that are neon green, and there's some that are pink. And then there are some that are black and have all of these, like, handles and make it really, um, you know, like rubberized grip. And they look like an AR-15. It has that tactile tactical feel to it. And I think, should we outlaw tactical flashlights? Because that's a trend right now. And, and, and the reason I say that is because I think that this weapon of war, this, this, again, this rhetoric of assault weapons to me is, is misplaced. But what's your reaction to the vice president, Alan Gottlieb? Well, she's obviously being hysterical. She hates guns in general. She'd ban any gun she, she could if she had the votes to do it, you know, and so she's talking about weapons of war, these, these, these you know, uh, you know, horrible firearms. But, you know, and, and let me bring it back to your caller that called a few minutes ago, who's a hunter. If he was up on the roof with a, a you know, a high powered rifle with 10, just 10 bullets and a scope, he could have fired 10 shots and killed 10 people perfectly. Uh, so would you then ban those kinds of guns too? Uh, Camilla Harris would ban any gun she could. Uh, she had a history of screaming for, every, you know, every kind of gun ban there is. She doesn't support the Second Amendment at all. She doesn't support your right for self-defense. In fact, let, let's talk about our vice president. She's the one who set up a bail fund and gave bail money for rioters in the street who, who, who are you know, injuring police officers and, and throwing firebombs at businesses. And she helped bail them, bail them out uh, out of jail. So, again, she's pro-criminal and anti-gun. Uh, you, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to put up with that. I'm not going to let her get away with it. This is a woman who, in my opinion, is dangerous. All right, folks, that's Alan Gottlieb. He's the founder of the Second Amendment Foundation, and he's with us until the top of the hour. So we're going to get to your calls as well from Arizona. Pat, welcome, brother. Hey, how you doing? We're so glad to have you. Thank you're, you, sir. You're the guy. Thank uh, you. And we've also got Alan Gottlieb on. Okay, yeah, I was just wondering if he was still with you. Sir, thank you. Thank you for all your hard work and stuff. I am not a gun owner. I am not against guns. I see the the way of, of, of society that has guns in hands of responsible Americans, responsible people, is a way to have safety because criminals will not come in an area if they're afraid that people have guns. And just think if somebody had had a gun maybe at that parade and could have gotten up on that roof or wherever that guy was, and, and, and got him before he, he emptied every bullet he had. Interesting I mean, point. You're right. I think that it could have happened if, you know, if somebody would have known where it was coming from. I think in the moment that it happens, it's kind of like chaos. But Alan Gottlieb, and thank you, Pat, by the way, I appreciate that. Alan Gottlieb, we have about two minutes before we wrap. So I guess whatever response you have for Pat in Arizona and uh, your final thoughts as well. 
Well, I agree with Pat. In this case, probably would have been next impossible to stop the shooter in this case. But in other cases, we've had situations where people who were you know, le- legally carrying firearms in public were able to stop people from mass murders. Uh, and it happens all the time. Uh, and so, I mean, it's a matter of choice. Uh, it's, you know, it's a bill of rights, not the bill of needs. And you have the right to be able to have that firearm to protect yourself. And taking, oh, you're going away isn't going to solve the problem uh, when, when somebody else is going to go commit a crime. Criminals are criminals by, by name because they break laws. Uh, and there's no way to stop them from doing that. Uh, so the bottom line is, is don't give away your freedom for this promise of security because you can have neither. All right. And tell everybody where they could find out more about the Second Amendment Foundation. At the website, it's probably the easiest place, saf.org, samalphafrank.org. Uh, and on there, as well as all our legal cases, we currently have over 40 cases in federal courts challenging some of these laws that prohibit uh, your right to keep and bear arms. Outstanding, Alan. Uh, is there a um, social media presence for SAF at all that you want to plug? Yeah, if, and just put Second Amendment Foundation into your Facebook account, and Facebook will pop up, or Twitter. But our our Facebook account is pretty active, so Second Amendment Foundation at Facebook or SAF.org is probably the easiest way to check what's going on. So, Alan Gottlieb, thank you. SAF.org is the website. SAF.org, excuse me. Alan Gottlieb, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. You got it. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. He's got the best head of hair in podcasting. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And this is uh, just to put a pin in the conversation that we're having about this Highland Park, Illinois shooting over the uh, Independence Day weekend. Really just a horrific thing, and I hate to be the dead horse. But this is something I think we can't take lightly and we have to pay a lot of attention to because ultimately this is about real people. Real people are affected here, and I don't mean to minimize it or trivialize it or presume that you don't get the the gravity of it. But I have some audio that I think is going to really tug at the heartstrings a little bit because it really makes clear what's going on here. Now, just to set this up, this is the daughter of a Highland Park mass shooting victim, And she's recalling in an interview what she went through with her mom, who was killed right in front of her. The two of them were running away from the gunfire. Her name is Cassie Goldstein. She's 22 years old. And she was watching the July 4th parade with her mom, Catherine Goldstein, who was 64. And and this is just horrible because, you know, I just think to myself, for me, this hits home. I have a daughter that's about to turn 21 in a number of days. And I think to myself, everything could come crashing down, and it did because of this animal. That's why it's 
bad to blame the gun and it's good to blame the animal that did this because that trivializes it, in my opinion. But I want you to hear what Cassie had to say. Listen to this. I looked up and I saw the shooter shooting down at the kids and I told her that it was a shooter and that she had to run. So I started running with her and we were next to each other and he shot her in the chest and she fell down and I knew she was dead. So I just told her that I loved her, but I couldn't stop because he was still shooting everyone next to me. My goodness, my God, just imagine being in that situation. And you know what? God bless this girl for her courage. I think a lot of people might falter and not know what to do and think, do I run and save my own life? Do I go back and, and you know, apply pressure to the wound? You, you know, this is a, a horrible situation to be in and, and the trauma. And I, I commend her on her poise, honestly. It's remarkable. I don't know that I would have such grace under that kind of pressure. But this is what it is. Running together side by side, Catherine was hit by a bullet, shot in the chest, falling to the ground. And you just heard Cassie say, I knew she was dead. I just told her that I loved her, but I couldn't stop because he was still shooting everyone next to me. I mean, this is a horror story. And again, this is because Robert Bobby Cremo III fired more than 70 rounds shooting people in a parade. A rapper, by the way. Sometimes I run out of words, too. Even though I'm supposed to have words for everything. This stuff, it really does leave you somewhat speechless. You just feel empty after this type of uh, horror show. Tell the people that you love, you love them. Because life is very, very short. And if you see something, like the uh, mayor said earlier, you got to say something. You got to make sure that if somebody looks like they're out of whack and they're going nuts, don't wait for them to uh, boil and, you know, explode for the pressure cooker to blow up. Lives are at stake. I'm not promoting red flag laws. I'm not promoting uh, anything other than being a good citizen, loving your neighbor. And part of loving your neighbor here, loving your fellow man, being a good American is making sure that somebody that is a animal nut job gets behind bars or gets the treatment that they need. They definitely have no place in society where you and I live, where we're trying to raise our children and do the right thing in life. Anyway, more to come. I have a final thought that I want to share with you on the other side. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. The 45th president, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Mr. Call Screener. Yeah. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, everybody in Philly, everybody in New York, everybody listening on 1210 WPHT, everybody listening all across America. Thank you for the growing audience numbers that we've got in Florida and Texas and California. I appreciate that. Uh, It's nothing but joy as I get to connect with you guys when I do double duty and fill in on the uh, Bohannon Show, nationally syndicated show at Late Night Talk Radio. It's really, really fun. Used to be the Larry King Show before that, and uh, they've maintained a lot of those traditions, so I try to do the same thing when I'm in that seat. And uh, it really opens your eyes and gives you some perspective to hear different opinions from all across the country. And I encourage you to check that out if you have a chance uh, between 10 p.m. and 1 a.m. But ultimately... The point I want to make is 
it's important for us to be a society that's interconnected, that actually communicates. Social media is a fantastic thing, and I love social media. I'm at Rich Valdez, by the way, at Rich Valdez with an S on all of the social media. But it's a one-way street sometimes, and it can be a two-way street, and I try to make sure I I look at the comments that you guys are making and I, I interact as often as I can. But when you're doing like live talk radio, it's it's kind of like FaceTiming a friend, but with a million other people. <laughs> and that's the part that I like because it gives you a real robust sense of understanding of different opinions that are coming in from different parts of the country. So you don't have to stay within the confines of your neighborhood to get a sense of what's going on in America. And when we hear this story, whether it was the girl giving her account of her mother being killed in front of her or others that are sharing their opinions, it, to me, this is valuable. And I really value everything that you guys have to say. So when you drop a comment or you leave a review for the podcast, those of you that listen to the podcast version of This Is America with Rich Valdez, greatly appreciated. The numbers uh, are showing uh, to, to be successful and growing, and it's because of you. I always say, if without you, the listener, I'm doing nothing but talking to myself. But ultimately, we have to do what's right, and I think we will. And one of the things that I want to just close out on is this thing called... Uh, the CSDA, and you've probably heard about it on TV, but I wanted to reiterate a little bit about it because the, it's called the Civics Secures Democracy Act. And for the Democrats, it's exactly that. They believe that they're going to use civics to secure democracy, majority rule, mob rule, mobocracy, oaklocracy. This is nothing more. This bill, the CSDA, Civics Secures Democracy Act, this is a Trojan horse to inject woke ideas into public school classrooms. This is literally the systemic radicalization and nationalization of all public education. This is a federal power grab to give grants to local school districts based on how they teach civics, which includes something called action civics, where your kids will have to go to protests in order to get grades. This is a big problem. Literally taxpayer-funded lobbying And trust me, they're not going to be lobbying on behalf of the Second Amendment or free speech. And they're going to use something called the NAEP, the National Assessment of Education Progress. That's what they're going to use to promote this and to give these grants out based on scores that come from the quote-unquote national report card. This is a bad thing. This is exactly how they're going to launder your tax dollars to pull off what they want to pull off and radicalize your children to become the next generation of BLM or Antifa or or just radical activists that are out there fighting against everything that your grandparents fought for, to respect the flag, to respect the country, to stand for things they believe in. I tell you all the time that if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Well, right now, this is one of those times you got to contact your congresspeople and let them know to vote against the Civics Secures Democracy Act. This is a very bad idea, a very bad idea for public education, a very bad idea for the culture in this country, a very bad idea for society overall. The CSDA must be stopped. This is a Trojan horse to insert the woke industrial complexes, terrible ideas into your kid's classroom. Don't let it happen. Stand for something. Sir Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary... For evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So be bold and stand up. Be brave and do something. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. 
This is America. 